This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We have a lot to talk about today, as we often do this time of year. I'll be joined by Mike Diamond in just a little bit. He is an executive with Fox Sports North, soon to be Bally Sports North. We'll talk about that transition, the rebrand, and also streaming wars, future of sports wagering with TV, things of that nature, and, and a lot of other good subjects. Good uh, good chatting with Mike Diamond. I've, I've talked to him a number of times over the years, and he uh, he was a very... Uh, very good uh, very good to talk to in this case uh, in particular. Also talk to Randy Johnson in just a little bit. Randy covers hockey for the Star Tribune. He was out in uh, Colorado for the uh, regional where the Gophers lost to Minnesota State, Mankato. He'll give us a little bit more of a recap of that and spin things forward to the Frozen Four coming up in a little over a week where three out of the four teams are from Minnesota. Also, shout out my wife and oldest daughter, their birthday today they share a birthday so happy birthday julie happy birthday annabelle i love both you guys and it's going to be a great great day but first what did i miss well here we go guys did you watch the uh baylor yukon women's basketball game last night if you didn't uh that's too bad shame on you because there was a lot that went on in that game kind of had a little bit of everything right had a big comeback by yukon which is the favored team yukon's typically the favored team Paige Beckers, the Hopkins star freshman, scores 28 points, helps them come back from a double-digit deficit in the second half. Had some controversy. Uh, Baylor down one point in the closing seconds. Gets a shot to win at the end. Looks like maybe it's a foul. A lot of people, you know, these situations, everybody's going to think it's a, so. You know, some half of the people are going to think it's a foul. Half of the people are going to think it's not a foul. Definitely the team that, you know, like Baylor thinks it's going to be a foul. Um, they go up, you know, it, replay shows, there's contact, looks like you could call a foul. Other people say, no, that's just good defense. You can't call that on the last play. You know, Baylor's coach, um, you know, is, is you know, post game wants a foul call. Gino Ariema, UConn's coach says, no, you know, you, you can say it was a foul if you want to. I'm just not going to make me sad. Uh, but that's just kind of the way officiating goes. Bang, bang, play. You could have called a foul. They don't. UConn goes ahead and wins by two and advances to another Final Four. Unfortunately, that was not where the game ended. After the game, I remember I referenced Baylor coach Kim Mulkey already. After the game, you know, she had some things to say about the game, of course, during her postgame. Um, you know, wanted the foul called, talked through the game and stuff like that. But then she kind of unprompted, for some reason, um, basically started talking about COVID. And how now that there are four teams left in women's college basketball and men's college basketball, and one of those teams is the Baylor men's team uh, that has advanced to the Final Four, um, she basically said, uh, let's stop COVID testing in this tournament because, boy, wouldn't it be too bad if one of these teams had to go home and miss the rest of the tournament because of COVID? If you think I am joking, I am not. Here is the clip of what Kim Mulkey said. I don't think my words will matter, but... After the games today and tomorrow, there's four teams left, I think, on the men's side and the women's side. They need to dump the COVID testing. Wouldn't it be a shame to keep COVID testing and then you've got kids that end up having test positive or something and they don't get to play in the Final Four? So you need to just forget the, sh the, the, the COVID test and let the four teams that are playing in each Final Four go battle it out. You know what? Yeah, it would be disappointing, right, if you got this far and then you had to exit the tournament because you had a positive test or a close contact, things of that nature, sure, that would be disappointing. You know what, though? 
That's the right thing to do. I don't know what is she what is she talking about? This is like just dangerous. This is just you know science denial, and it really bothers me because in contrast to that, you have Carl Anthony Towns playing a basketball game also same very same night in uh, you know in Brooklyn. Wolves lose by five to the Nets. Close game, probably closer than we thought it would be. Um, after the game, but during the game, his his father was there. His father Carl Carl Senior was there, and. Typically, in that situation, his mom would have been there as well. You know what? And everybody knows or probably has heard at this point the extremely sad uh, story. You know, Carl lost his mom to COVID early on in the COVID uh, pandemic earlier, uh, you know, early last year. So, you know, he's talking about how emotional it was to play in that game, how, you know, usually in a situation like that, his mom would be there, that it was great to see his dad, but he was kind of looking around for his mom and then remembering, you know, of course, she's not going to be here. So... You've got, on one hand, the disappointment of missing a basketball game. You've got the other hand, a pandemic that has killed more than half a million Americans and millions worldwide. Kim Mulkey, come on. Think it through next time. I know you're upset post-game. I know you have strong feelings about this, but you know what? This has nothing to do with feelings. This has to do with science. This has to do with doing the right thing. Really quick, should mention, too, now that I'm off my soapbox, Jameson Battle. Former George Washington standout, former De La Salle standout, was in the transfer portal. He is coming to the Gophers. That is Ben Johnson's first recruit. Seemed like a seemed like a good bet that that could be his first one, right? You know, Ben Johnson, very similar to Jamison Battle. He transferred after playing a couple of years at a different school, uh, Northwestern, in Ben Johnson's case. Ben Johnson played at De La Salle, has all sorts of relationships in this state, particularly at De La Salle. So the new Gophers coach gets a player very much like him to come back and play for the Gophers, someone who played somewhere else, played at De La Salle in high school, and now is coming to the Gophers. Uh, he also fits great. Jamison Battle can shoot the ball like 35% from three last season, averaged like 17 points a game, five rebounds a game. He He's the kind of player that will help them immediately. So good get for Ben Johnson, probably the first of many this offseason that will, that will come his way, and we'll see how that plays out on the court next fall. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Mike Diamond, longtime Fox Sports North executive, soon to be Bally Sports North executive. He's not changing jobs. It's just a, a rebrand, everybody. Um, Wednesday, FSN makes the transition to BSN, I guess we could call it. Um, Mike, welcome to a Daily Delivery. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Uh, let me just start off maybe big picture as we think about the, the changeover. Uh, what, does it, what does it mean to the viewer as you kind of think about it or the consumer of, you know, someone who watches this channel as has watched it a long time? What, what can they expect that's maybe different? What stays the same? Things of that nature. Sure. Thanks for the question. Um, it, it's important to note that, you know, some things are going to change and you're going to see some, some things that, you know, certainly when you do a re, rebrand, um, it's going to look different. But, but let's start from the very basic. It's the same place, the same channel it was before, same announcers, all those, all the great people who have brought um, sports to Minnesota uh, for all of these years, these decades are still going to be in place. So the announcers aren't changing. Um, many of those, all those things are not changing. They're still going to get the same quality production that they will. So when you turn your TV on for the next event, 
it's going to come on on the same channel as it was before. You don't have to go looking for it, but it's going to look different. It's going to look and feel differently. It's going to have a different brand on it. And so for decades, you know, we were Fox Sports North and now we're going to be Valley Sports North and people will see that brand uh, played out uh, with new graphics, new music um, and really a, a new feel to it as well. I see as part of it, there's a Bally Sports Extra. There's, always, there's been the Plus Channel for a while, and now there's an Extra. I see you've got some triple headers. Is that um, the Extra Channel? Is that an over-the-air channel? Let me clarify that, first of all, for people who have wondered about that. Well, well it, it's mostly a branding issue play right now, okay. right? So so we've we've got a, um, a some challenges that COVID has presented to right. us. Like We've all had our challenges across so many different areas. One of those is with the delayed start in the NBA and NHL season, we're having a longer, a yeah. longer season. The for seasons both go longer. We're, all, we're, yeah. we're all three teams are playing at the same time. So we have an inordinate amount of conflict dates. So we have five dates in particular where all three teams are playing at the same time. And as you mentioned, we do have um, what will be Valley Sports North, Valley Sports North Plus, and then we needed a, a, a third distribution outlet for that third game. And so there's a Sinclair owned and operated station in the market, CW23, CW of the Twin Cities, um, that operates here. And uh, we partnered with them to clear those five Timberwolves games on over the air uh, at the same time that the, other, that the Twins and Wild are playing too. So that from it will have still have the Bally's look and feel to that, but it will be on the CW. And but that's what we've just termed as Valley Sports Extra on Got the it. CW. That, would you imagine using that in other years, or is that more of a, a function of this kind of pinch point of the scheduling? I think it's more that, Michael. I think it's a it's a, a real pinch point to to where we've uh, un, we haven't had this sort of issue before. Um, it's only really because of um, of the way the seasons are compressed all into one. Um, I had a reader ask, Max Levy wants to know, um, is, will there be an impact on programming at all? I mean, when, when you think of the Fox Sports North brand, you've got some Fox Sports programming around it. Does that, does the kind of programming around all the local stuff stay the same or will that some of that change as well, as far as you know? Um, well, I think it's, it's going to be some of both, right? So, so a lot of that will really stay the same. It'll be rebranded. Um, but I think that we're going to the exciting part is I think over time we're going to we're going to um, venture into some new programming. I think one of the one of the things that we that one of the challenges we want to meet going forward is how do we program other day parts? So the, the pregame and the postgame uh, that we've traditionally done all still going to be there and in place. But how do we program the other day parts going forward um, and, and really leverage what we have with all the RSNs across the country and all the other Sinclair assets they that we have between tennis channel, ring of honor stadium, all those, other, how do we bring all those things to bear uh, so that we can improve the day parts? Now the readers, Charlie and Matt had a question about gambling carriage fees. It's just an interesting place that we're at right now. And, you know, and how things get sorted out, obviously Bally's and Sinclair has talked about this and some of their investor calls even, and just being interested in, how, what, how do we see the future of sports on TV, whether it's in-game gambling, things like that? We're not there yet. I don't want to like, you know, put the cart ahead of the horse, things like that. But, you know, sports betting is legal in Iowa. It's potentially going to be legal here at some point. How, where do you, as you've probably been in some of these discussions, how do you, how do you think about the future of, of how we watch and consume sports on TV, especially as it transitions to this Bally Sports Network? 
You know, that's a very popular question, um, not only with fans and viewers, but with teams and even with employees about how where we where our business goes. It's obvious that our business is going through a transition right now. I, I think driven exacerbated by COVID. I think you could say that about every business that, that we've had to make adaptations. It's forced us into a position where um, maybe maybe accelerating things faster than we would have you know, probably done on our own. And I'm speaking specifically to technology because technology, is, as you can evidence by the way people communicate now with Zoom meetings and team meetings and so forth is that's the way we're, we're communicating. But technology has allowed us to move forward with regard to TV as well. Um, with sp- particularly with um, sports betting, because it's a it's a certainly a common question and a, and a legitimate question is, and we've made no bones about it that that is in our future. That's part of the plan going forward, but it's going to be on a case by case basis. And you mentioned it's not in Minnesota yet; it is in Iowa, and, and until it becomes legal sports betting becomes legal in the state, you know, certainly we, we, there's not a whole, there's nothing we can do with regard to sports betting. What you will see over time though, Michael, is what we call gamification. So it's really, but the, the goal here is to really create a lean forward experience. So when you think of your traditional, where you sit back and you watch a game, maybe a baseball game for three hours, that's still going to be available. The traditional way to, to watch a game, if you want to kick back and have an adult beverage and watch your game, you'll still be able I, to do, I do that. I do. Thanks. Uh, okay, good, good. Maybe I, I look forward to the time when maybe we can do that again together someday. That would be awesome. Um, but we're also going to create another experience because there's a, there's a younger audience out there, if you will, or a different audience that, that we want to be able to reach as well. And uh, we think that that comes with regard to um, gamification or a lean forward experience, if you will. So one of the statistics is that um, 85% of people who are consuming content, be that a, a live sporting event, be it a pre-recorded, be it a Netflix or a Hulu or whatever the deal is, 85% of those people are engaged in a second screen experience. So that that may not may or may not be directly related to what they're watching, um, but they're either on social media, they're playing a game, or they're doing some other activity. We want to capture that activity in that second screen experience in a gamification mode that we want to, this lean forward experience where they're hyper engaged into the game that they're watching and being able to get statistics, uh, batting averages, you know, many of those kind of things that are, that are around the game. And then also um, be able to participate in some way, shape, or form of of gamification within that prize winning so forth not sports betting you're not saying what the odds are you're not doing those things but kind of involved in what do you think is going to happen predictive gaming those kind of things we're seeing a proliferation of that you know in many of the leagues as well a bunch of people asked me about this and i've written about this extensively i wonder if you can give any thoughts or updates on streaming i'm sure that's probably the number one thing you get asked about too this the streaming services it's not something you directly control obviously but you know with fsn and now bally sports uh, bally sports north not being carried over a number of different streaming networks and dish still does this have any impact on that or wh- what can you tell me about where that's at and, and you know where where you see that that piece headed Certainly not surprised by the question, right? Because it is probably- I had to ask, but I get asked about it all the time too. Yeah, right. Uh, Because, you know, that and the sports betting question are probably the two most prominent questions that we get. And look, what what I'd say about it is 
we're as frustrated as the fans are and the teams are. This is not a choice that we made to withhold programming from anyone. Um, it's a business decision that has been made by by these carriers not to carry. But I think what, when you look at really what's happened, they've said no to the RSNs at the same time that Hulu and YouTube have raised, raised their prices, right? So in the end, unfortunately, the consumer is the one that loses out because they're paying more and getting less. And so the the comp, I'm not, I, I don't have insight into the negotiations. I can't tell you where that's handled on a corporate level. But really, the practicalities of it are is that that fans aren't getting what they what they want to get and not being delivered that way. And so they've made a business decision, you know, for their business, what they feel is right for their business. And fans need to make the decision themselves of what's right for their viewership. It is available on other platforms. Certainly, AT&T is the streaming option right now. And then you have your traditional cable and satellite. And I know that sometimes that doesn't that doesn't resonate well with with fans. But the, but the fact of the matter that's where it is. And in the in the conversations and what we've represented to these entities is no different than what other major operators have agreed agreed to. The Comcast, the Directv's, the Charters of the world, all it's all in line with that. It's not it, it's not in any way unfair. Is it a concern to you that fewer people, particularly younger viewers who might skew, like you said, towards those products that don't have access to your product or, or aren't having access to, to, F, to FSN? It's an old habit. Bally Sports North now. Yeah, if, if that's the last time we hear reference to FSN, I'll be shocked because I think myself, I'll do it as well. Um, concerning that the way that they had access before was taken away. Yes, for, for sure that. But there still is access to it. Um, and it just makes it means a different choice. Let's uh, let's pull this back into the rebrand for a couple final questions. When people turn on their TVs, like you said on Wednesday, it's not going to be this brand new thing, but there are going to be subtle touches. What what do you when people say watch the Twins opener on you know on Thursday? What what do you experiential wise? What do you think are going to be the things that they notice the most that they say, hey, I like this, or wow, that's different, or you know this this. Mm-hmm. I still like it, but this is this is different and it's not the way it was before. Well, that's the important thing, right? It's not going to be the way it was. So change is always just jarring in itself. I think that the biggest thing that you're going to see is what it looks like on the air, right? And what it's and what it sounds like. So for decades, we've used the same graphics package and the same music. I can tell you I've been around this company for a long time and I am really looking forward to new music. It was good music. But it's, it's kind of run its course, right? So I, I think you'll see, um, just don't be thrown when you turn on the television or you're watching it on, um, on the app that it's not going to say Fox Sports North or FSN. It, it will be ballet sports. And um, the colors will change. Uh, Fox was a blue and white. And this is a red and white network, if you will. So it's going to look different. But, but the graphics are all high end, uh, all new. Um, the presentation of the games is is going to be as good or better than it ever was when we were Fox. And it does need a new app. Let me clarify that too. For people who have used the Fox Sports Go app, you're going to need a Bally Sports app, correct? Well, you won't need. There's there's very little that the end user who are currently subscribed to to the Fox Sports Go app are going to need. So. Um, the way I understand it, and I'll be a, as uh, excited as anybody on the 31st when I do it, right, when the, when the app does get released, um, that um, it's going to be as simple as an app update. 
uh, that you would do just like normally with, with any of your other updates. It will go to through the normal updates and then it will appear as valid. There shouldn't be anything from, from an acquisition state uh, that, that the viewers will have to do. What you probably will have to do is re-authenticate. Remember that Fox Sports Go is an authenticated app that you have to be a, a subscriber in order to access it. You will probably have to re-authenticate under the Bally app. Makes sense, Mike. Hey, I really appreciate your time um, answering all these questions and giving the viewers, listeners, in my case, a, a, a chance to kind of understand what's, uh, what's coming up and what they can look forward to. So thanks so much and, uh, and good luck with, uh, with, with everything that's coming up. All right. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Good stuff from Mike Diamond. I appreciated him answering all those questions. Um, so a couple of them weren't necessarily easy questions. You guys offered some good ones as well when I, uh, when I put that out to you on Twitter. So I appreciate that. You know, it. I don't think anybody's happy with the way this th- this is going right now with with the streaming and and not being able to access these channels on you know YouTube, TV, Hulu, Sling, Dish. You know, it's really cut into their audience. And Chip Scoggins wrote about it a while you know a couple weeks ago, where there's basically a quarter of their audience is is gone right now, and that's a lot. That's a lot of viewers for you know Twins potentially coming up, Wild, Timberwolves that aren't a- able to access these games. So. We'll see what the resolution is. I don't, it doesn't feel like much is much is going to shake loose at this moment. I thought his answer to the gambling question was interesting too. If you remember, I mean, earlier, I think early at the, at the beginning of this month, I had Jason Gerwin from the Streamable on, and he talked about how he could see a future where gambling really does support a lot of the the price of this channel when sports betting becomes more widespread um, and, and legal in more states, you could see, uh, you could see that happening. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting future. I'm interested to see what this channel looks like when it makes its debut on Wednesday. Joined right now by Randy Johnson, who is out in Colorado, covered the, uh, regional there where Gophers and Mankato played in the region final, um, Mankato prevailing for nothing, becoming one of the three teams from Minnesota to advance to the frozen four. Randy, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Been a fun, busy uh, weekend up here in, uh, in Loveland. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. You're going to fly home and uh, get ready to, to do it all over again because you're going to go to the Frozen Four as well and cover St. Cloud State, Minnesota State, and University of Minnesota Duluth. Um, you know, we, we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit off off the top about what you saw in that Gophers game against the Mavericks where, you know, Gophers were the top seed, but boy, Minnesota State sure looked like rallying against Quinnipiac in that opening round game, you know, kind of getting that first NCAA tournament win, you know, breaking that dam really sure seemed like it kind of propelled them a little bit. And they were, they sure played not just not free so much, but they, they sure seemed like they were able to play. They want the way they wanted to play in that Sunday game. Yeah, they, they certainly did. Uh, Minnesota state. It's a team that uh, they like to get a lead and then they like to be kind of like a boa constrictor and just uh, choke the life out of uh, the opponent, just to really shut them down with their four check. They had 23 uh, block shots, and their goalie Dryden McKay, who was very good in his own right, he only had to make tw- only had to make 22 saves. So uh, they really uh, uh, frustrated the Gophers uh, from from the start. That the Gophers didn't get a shot on goal until uh, more than seven minutes had elapsed, and by the mid- middle of the game, they only had six shots on on goal. So Mankato played its game to a T. As we kind of tie a bow around the Gophers season before we spin ahead a little bit to Frozen Four stuff, you know, it comes up short of you know, a goal, I'm sure, of getting to the Frozen Four, a step forward, obviously, and getting back to the tournament, you know, convincing win over Omaha in the opener where you're thinking, okay, are these guys, you know, do they have a run in them? What 
as you evaluate how this season went, how do you sum it up overall? And as they think about next steps, what, what, uh, what do they need to take the next step, I guess, in a year from now? If you got to give, give the season a grade, I, you know, a B plus right around there. I mean, a very good regular season, a uh, very good showing in the big 10 tournament by coming back in a couple games and then uh, knocking off Wisconsin in, in the uh, championship game. Uh, you know, they looked like they were ready to make a run. Um, and they played very well against uh, Nebraska Omaha, basically, basically controlled that game from start to finish. Uh, they they were a little susceptible at times when they didn't get leads this year. It happened a couple times uh, against Wisconsin at home, a couple times against Notre Dame. Um, you know, that's one area where where you, you'd, you'd like to see them get a little bit better when, when they get down. Um, they did it in the Big Ten tournament, came back. Um, the consistency with that would be something that you, need, you, you, you would like to see, and I imagine that comes with age. Is that a resiliency factor then? Is that something you have to learn as a, as a program? Does that come with success? How do you think that, how do you think you acquire that element to your team? Is it more skill where you feel like you can come back? I think it's, it's, it's probably, I think they have plenty of skill. I think it might be more, getting more gritty players in there. And, and, and Bob Moscow, that's one of his goals. I, he's always said he, he wants to get this team older. You know, they're, they're usually playing against teams that are older. And uh, basically if you want to, um, Compete now. You're going to have guys who play a couple of years in juniors. Uh, you just can't get uh, the bulk of your team right out of high school anymore. So you get three, you know, five Minnesota teams get to the final eight. Three Minnesota teams get to the Frozen Four. Um, how do we, you know, looking at the matchups, a lot of momentum, I guess, all around. When, whenever you get this far, but Minnesota Duluth, you know, knocking off North Dakota, a five overtime game, and now getting a good chance to to rest up from that, and then obviously Minnesota State you know, on a nice roll here too, and getting to the frozen four St. Cloud state, you could say the same thing. You know, they, they go out to go out to that regional knockoff, both those Boston schools. How, how do you, how do you evaluate, you know, if you're looking at just the three Minnesota teams, how do you evaluate where they're at and who, who you like per, perhaps, you know, is the early look at which one of them might be, uh, might be able to, to claim that national title. Okay. I'll start with uh, the Minnesota Duluth, uh, Massachusetts, uh, semi that's, that's gonna be the night one on, uh, on April 8th, um, you know, if I bet you somebody would have told you, okay, you got one game to beat UMass and you go, you get to play for your third consecutive national championship. Minnesota Luther would take that in a second. They beat UMass three, nothing in the uh, final in, in 2019. The last time there was an NCAA tournament uh, for the, for their second straight title. Uh, this isn't quite the same team uh, from last year for the Bulldogs, you know, no Scott Perovich, no Hunter Shepard, uh, but the system that, uh, Scott Sandler runs um, people buy into that up there. Uh, they're just getting contributions from everybody. Um, Saturday night, it was the um, freshman, uh, Luke Mylock, um, scoring the winning goal. Uh, basically, he hadn't played much all game. Uh, Scott Sandler put him in there and some other other uh, rested guys to, as, as the game wore on, got into the fourth, fifth overtime. You know, it's that's a team. It's like you got you to put a stake through its heart to beat it during NCAA tournament time, it seems. Yep. And then St. Cloud State, obviously, you know, they had a really, really good showing. I mean, the the resiliency they showed in, in both of those games to, to, to pull those out, uh, they got to feel pretty good about where they're at, too. Yeah, they got down early in both. They then uh, uh, end up uh, running away with both games, uh, beating BU and BC by a combined 10-3. Uh, to 3. Uh, They did suffer a, a pretty tough loss there with uh, our lead scorer, Easton Brodzinski. Uh, Pretty uh, tough-looking leg injury. Uh, there are reports it's a broken leg. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll be tough overcoming the loss of him. But uh, 
there's a lot of talent on that team. Uh, they're uh, and they're getting very good goaltending from David Renak. Uh, that's they're they're going to be a tough out. Um, uh, they'll be going up against uh, Minnesota State, which you get them in the, a game where they get a lead. They're going to be pretty tough to beat. Um, they uh, they really rallied from uh, a week and a half ago when they lost uh, to Northern Michigan in the WCHA tournament semifinals in Mankato. A game um, Dryden McKay was pulled after giving up four goals. They ended up losing five to one, and they basically uh, used that as as fuel this week. They, they had a big chip on their shoulder. Uh, McKay was basically saying that yeah, he heard they heard the, crit- the criticism and. You know, they, they were out to uh, silence the doubters. Good stuff. Uh, good coverage from uh, from that. Follow Randy, starttribune.com, puck drop. He'll be out at the Frozen Four in about 10 days as well. So read his coverage out there To Randy Johnson, thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Let's end with the cooler. Wild loses in overtime, actually shootout, to the Sharks uh, late, late, late. I actually stayed up watching it. Um, was doing some other stuff, including editing a little bit of uh, this podcast, some of those interviews that I did yesterday that you heard. You know, this is a little bit of a problem right now. I think they're, you know, they're going through a little bit of a lull. They've gotten away with it to a certain degree because of what they're four, two, and one in their last seven games, which is not bad. That's that's fine, right? You can you can keep playing at that pace and make the playoffs. But they've been outshot in each of those games, including last night's game against San Jose. I think the final shot total was thirty-nine to twenty-five. San Jose over Minnesota, and you know it shows up in the loss, right? You know, Cam Talbot has to make a little bit more. You know, has to do a little bit more work than he probably should, and they end up losing to a, you know, end up losing. They get a point, but they end up losing in a shootout. So, seven games in a row that they have been outshot, four of them by double digit margins. And, you know, some of it's just the way they play, but before that, they were doing, you know, they were outshooting their opponents. They'd had three games in a row before that, and four out of their last five, five of their last six, actually, where they had outshot their opponents. So, something with their game is a little off right now, and they're going to need to fix that going forward. We'll talk about that and more on Wednesday's podcast with Sarah McClellan, who covers the Wild for the Star Tribune and is out in San Jose. The rematch of that two-game set is Wednesday night. We'll do Twins Talk on Thursday and a bunch of treats on Friday as well. Thanks for listening today to Daily Delivery. We'll catch you again on Wednesday.